Okay, saints, tonight we're on a very important message. This is on the key to being an overcomer. Do you want to be an overcomer? Yes. None of us want to be undercomers, right? We want to be overcomers. We want to be a part of his overcoming bride to bring him back. And you can see the key to being an overcomer is the law of the spirit of life for the body of Christ. The law of the spirit of life for the body of Christ. Now, saints... Um, I have a very heavy burden tonight, so I hope we'll have a praying spirit through the meeting. Um, you know, I have the burden to preach the gospel to you tonight. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you, need, do you believe that the saints in the churches need the gospel? Yes. We do need the gospel. You know, in Romans 1.1, it refers to the gospel of God. Amen. Then in Romans 1.15, Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you also who are at Rome. They were already believers. But he wanted to preach the gospel to them. So the whole book of Romans is the gospel. Amen. And you could divide the book of Romans into four sections. The first four chapters deal with justification. The next four chapters deal with sanctification. The next four chapters deal with the body of Christ. And the last four chapters deal with the local churches and the blending life of the entire body of Christ. Amen. And that consummates in the New Jerusalem and Revelation 19, 7 through 9, as the bride of Christ, and in Revelation 21 and 22, as the wife of Christ forever and ever. Amen. That is the gospel of God. And we all need to hear this gospel. We should never get tired of hearing this gospel. Paul said in Romans 1, 9, he said, God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his Son. If you look at the footnote, uh, the word on serve means serve in worship, serve in worship. So Paul, when he, when, he, when he preached the gospel, whether it was to unbelievers or to the believers, his service was a worship to God. So whenever we speak, whenever we prophesy, whenever we speak to one another, whether it's unbelievers or believers, our service is a real worship to God Amen. in the gospel of his son, Amen. in the gospel of his son. Of course, we know in Romans 15, 16, he said that he was a laboring priest of the gospel of God. So again, the whole book of Romans is the gospel. Now, there are four particular chapters in Romans that are, that are kind of a, a unit. And you could say Romans 5 through 8 are a unit, are a unit of chapters. In Romans 5, uh, you have, you could say Romans 5 is the first year of college. And Romans 8 is the last year of college. Romans 5, <laughs> Romans 5 is on in Adam. You could title that in Adam. Romans 6, you can title Romans 6 in Christ. Romans 7, you could title Romans 7 in the flesh. We don't want to be in the flesh, right? right. Is everybody here with me? Yes. We don't want to be in the flesh, right? Amen. We want to be in Romans 8. Romans 8 is in the spirit. Amen. In the spirit. So... Um, Saints, um, I'm really looking for the utterance tonight. Um, you know, uh, how do I say this? Uh, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, we will see that Romans 8 is the focus of the entire Bible and the center of the universe. This is not a small thing that we're touching tonight. It's a great, great, great thing. Probably the greatest thing in, in the Lord's recovery. Uh, actually, the law of the spirit of life, our brother said, is the greatest discovery, even recoveries in God's economy. 
So it's, it's very, very important uh, that we see this and that we enter into this experientially. Now, uh, what I would like to do, and I'd like you to follow with me, is read the scriptures. And I'd like to start with Romans 7.15. Romans 7.15. If you all could turn, open your Bibles and look at Romans 7.15 with me. And then I'll read through to Romans 8.4. It's very important that we read the scriptures tonight. Otherwise, we don't know what we're talking about. Okay, so if any, every, everyone can open up their Bible and look at Romans 7.15. Is everybody there? Okay, he says, for what I work out, this is Paul speaking, I do not acknowledge, for what I will, this I do not practice, but what I hate, this I do. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. What I will, this I do not practice, but what I hate, this I do. Amen. Right? That's why all our exercise equipment winds up in the garage. <laughs> what I will, what I will to do, this I do not practice. Then Paul goes on, but if what I do not will, this I do, I agree with the law that it is good. That's the, that's the, the law outside of us. The, 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 the law, especially from Genesis through Deuteronomy. He said, now then it is no longer I that work it out, but sin that dwells in me. So something was working in him other than Christ, and that was sin that dwelt in him. He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to work out the good is not. For I do not do the good which I will, but the evil which I do not will, this I practice. But if what I do not will, this I do, it is no longer I that work it out, but sin that dwells in me. I find then the law with me who wills to do the good, that is the evil is present with me. So as soon as you will to do the good, you, you turn on the wrong switch. Because when you will to do the good, the evil is present with you right there. The evil is present with you right there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inner man, but I see a different law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Now there's a law in your mind, which is the law of good, and making me a captive to the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God, Amen. through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is now then no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Then we'll go to verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Then verse 6 says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, is life and peace. Okay, now the reason why we say that this is the focus of the entire Bible again, and the center of the universe, I'll share this again tomorrow, is because... Romans 8, um, you have Romans 8 on the law of the spirit of life. The subject is the law of the spirit of life. And uh, Romans 9 through 11 is a parenthetical section on God's selection. So Romans 12 is a direct continuation of Romans 8. When you enjoy Christ, when you enjoy the triune God embodied in Christ, realized as the law of the spirit of life in your spirit, 
when you enjoy him in such a way, that catapults you into the reality of the body of Christ in Romans 12. Amen. And then you're in the reality of the body of Christ, and that's realized in the local churches in Romans 16, and then that brings you into the, that consummates you to be the bride of Christ in Revelation 19, and the wife of Christ in Revelation 21 and 22. That's why we say it's the focus of the Bible, and it's the center of the universe. Because if you're not in Romans 8, there's no way you can become the bride of Christ. There's no way you can become the new Jerusalem. So the law of the spirit of life is for the body of Christ, which consummates the new Jerusalem. Now, um, saints, listen to this. Um, listen to this. Although Romans 7 describes Paul's experience before he was saved, it depicts the experience of most Christians after they are saved. After they are saved. So although it was Paul's experience before he was saved, it, it depicts our experience, I'm talking about us in this room, after we're saved. You know, uh, we have a book called The Perfecting Training, a big, thick book. 60% of that book is on Romans 8, because our brother was so burdened that we can be trapped in Romans 7, and we need to be, we need to be released from Romans 7 into Romans 8. And we need to pray that this is our case. Now, um, so... Um, you can see, we read Romans 7, you can see here, brothers and sisters, that, that uh, Paul, he describes a person trying to do good. Trying to do good. Don't try to do good. Don't try to do good. Don't try to be a better Christian. You know, in most Christian circles, that's what they teach you, to be a better Christian. You need to be a good person now. You need to be a better Christian. You need to try to improve yourself. We don't teach self-improvement here. We teach self-denial here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we don't try to improve ourselves. We don't, we're not trying to please God. You see, we can even get in the realm of trying to please God. If you try to please God, the evil is right there with you. You see? So we need to be very, very careful about this. Now, um, when we talk about the crucial revelation of life in the Scriptures, I just want to mention this. When we talk about the word life, we're talking about the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. Uh, there's three Greek words for life. There's bios, which is our physical life, where we get the word biology from. And then there's suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, where we get the word psychology from. That's the study of the mind, which is the leading part of the soul. Suke means soul. And the leading part of the soul is the mind, so we have, we have a course in psychology, right? But you can't go to UW or, or WSU and take a course in zoology. <laughs> they don't have that, right? We can only, this is what we're covering tonight, zoology. <laughs> what is zoe? Zoe is the divine life. Zoe is the uncreated life of God. Zoe is the eternal life of God. Zoe is the indissoluble life of God. Zoe is the indestructible life of God. Zoe is the wonderful life of God the awesome life of God, the spectacular life of God, the magnificent life of God. And Zoe is a person. Zoe is Christ himself. Amen. He said, I am the Zoe. Amen. And I came that you might have Zoe. and might have it abundantly. Then in resurrection, it says, the last Adam, which is Christ in the flesh, he became a Zoe-giving spirit. Amen. A Zoe That's his commission. Tonight is to give you Zoe. Amen to give you Zoe, to walk out of here with a 
Maybe you came in with a tired body. You walk out with a zoified body. Zoified. <laughs> okay, now, uh, saints, uh, I drew a diagram on the board to describe, to describe this, and I'll just go through with you very quickly. Uh, you know, before, let me just say this. Before we were saved, we were, we were fallen people, right? We were fallen. And so when man fell, his, this, this, is, this is the tripartite man here, the tripartite man. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we have spirit and soul and body. Spirit and soul and body. And when, when man fell, his spirit became deadened. That's why Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead in trespasses and sins. That means our spirit lost its function to contact God. And our soul, which was made to enjoy God, uh, now became the self and does things for the self. And everything is for the self, the self, the self. So the soul, which was, which was created pure, became the fallen self. Then the, then the body, which, which, which was created pure, got transmuted, got corrupted, uh, got, I use this word in D.C., it got transmogrified. You can look that up later. Uh, anyway, into the flesh, and there's nothing good in our flesh. Now, if you're an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever, you are doomed. You are doomed because you can only live in the self and in the flesh, that's your, that's, your, that's your choice. Self or the flesh, self or the flesh. And if you're in the self, you're going to be in the flesh. If you're in the flesh, you're going to be in the self. And there's no God. There's no God there. Having no hope without God and in the world. This is why we have to preach the gospel to people. Now, uh, something wonderful happened to us when we got saved. A person came into our spirit. Now, this person is, is a law. Saints, you have to see, the spirit of Zoe is a law. Amen. Is a law. You have to see this. What is a law? A law is, a, is an automatic principle. I want you to get these definitions. A law is an automatic principle. A law is a spontaneous power. A law is an innate capacity. So Christ, as the spirit of life, he dwells in us as a law, as an automatic principle, as a spontaneous power, as an innate capacity. You have the law of the spirit of life. We also have another law in us, which, is, which Paul calls, if you, if you remember the text that we read, he calls it the law of my mind, the law of my mind, which is the law of good. In our soul, the law of good in our soul, that's our created human life. There's something in our created human life that wants to do good, that wants to be good. But as soon as we try to do good, evil is right there with us. That's the law of sin and of death. Now, these are also automatic principles, spontaneous powers, uh, innate capacities. Law of sin and death, it operates spontaneously. It operates uh, automatically. It operates effortlessly. It operates unconsciously. Uh, you don't train uh, little boys to lie, but they lie. <laughs> like when I came home from, from serving one, one day, and my two little boys were running across the room, and I looked at them, and I, I knew they were doing something that wasn't right. 
I didn't know, I didn't know what it was, though, but I said, what are you guys doing? And they stopped like this. I said, he did it. <laughs> he did it. They both pointed at one another. You see, no, they didn't go to lying 101. You know, they didn't take a course in lying. It's just, it just the law of sin and of death, right? Now, if you go to the dog life, the dog life has, every life has a law, and every life is a law. Now, I use the example of a dog. My dog, he likes to dig. No one taught him how to dig. It just, it's just amazing to me how he digs. I, I'm telling you, he could dig a hole, it seemed like, all the way to China. I mean, he just, he, he, got, he got a bone the other day, and he just shot out the door, and Ruthie said, oh, no, he's going to dig another hole. You know, so he just digs. No one taught him to dig. We don't, Danny doesn't dig any, anything. You know, he doesn't, you don't see Danny doing this, right? Because he doesn't have the dog life, right? Uh, but you see Danny soaring like an eagle. And why do I say that? Because the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, according to Proverbs 30, 18, and 19, 19a, I would use these two verses to describe this. Uh, it says this. It says, uh, certain things are too wonderful for me. Certain things I don't understand. And the first thing is the way of an eagle in the sky. The way of an eagle in the sky. Now, is that your Christian life? Is that our Christian life? I include myself. Is our Christian life the way of an eagle in the sky? Are we on Eagle Airlines every day? Are we on Eagle Airlines? Are we in another kind of life? You see, we should be the way of an eagle in the air. According to Isaiah 40, 31, it says, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings, right? Like what? Are you an eagle tonight? Are you an eagle tonight? You have to say in faith, I'm an eagle. Can you say I'm an eagle? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and will not become weary. They will walk and will not faint, right? So we need to wait on the Lord. Now, to wait on the Lord doesn't mean you just sit there and wait like this, you know. Uh, it, means that, it means that you terminate yourself. You stop yourself. You put a stop to yourself. Just like we have tonight, we've stopped ourselves with our living, doing, and activity. And we take God in Christ as our life, person, and replacement. That's what the wait on the Lord means. So this is what we want to do. And then we're on Eagle Airlines. We're on Eagle Airlines. And so, saints, when you're, when you're in the spirit, you have to realize, again, this is an automatic principle. This is a spontaneous power. This is an innate automatic function. Uh, when you're in the spirit, your Christian life is effortless. Your Christian life is unconscious. It's un you're, un you're unconscious of it. Uh, just like right now I'm digesting my food, I'm unconscious of it. If I'm conscious of it, something's wrong with my stomach, right? Uh, so the law of digestion is taking place. Uh, just like if I drop this paper, if I leave go of this paper, you know what's going to happen, right? The law of gravity is going to work, right? It's going to work all the time. But if you put me on a space shuttle and I get outside the law of gravity, oh, I can, I can send this to Danny. I can just leave it going. It'll just float. It'll just float all the way over to Danny. He'll say, thank you, Brother Ed. You know, <laughs> So, uh, we need to get outside of the realm of the law of sin and of death 
outside of the realm of the law of good into the law of the spirit of life. Into this person who is a law, who isn't, I say again, he's an automatic principle. He's a spontaneous power. He's an innate capacity. He's an innate capacity. Um, you know, uh, now, when you try to do good, saints, we have to see this. Uh, the law of sin and of death is much more powerful than the law of good in our created human life. Every life is a law. So now, in a sense, we've become complicated because we have the evil life of Satan in our flesh. We have the created life in our soul, but also, also the, fallen, the fallen soul as a self. But we have another life in our spirit, and that life is Zoe. Amen. Our spirit is Zoe. According to Romans 8.10. Okay, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. Okay, so uh, we have the law of the spirit of life in our spirit. But saints, as soon as you try to do good, this law will overpower you every time. When you will to do the good. Always remember, your human will, apart from the law of the spirit of life, your human will cannot overcome the law of sin and of death. You notice in Romans 7, when I read that text, he said, I will. I will, I will. But every time he willed, he fell into the law of sin and of death. So uh, don't will, don't try to overcome. You have to see that your natural human will cannot overcome the law of sin and of death. You have to see this. Uh, it's just like when I was in junior high, I told the brothers that, um, that uh, I had this teacher, he was a really bigger, bigger than me. He was six foot seven. He had, he had played football for Penn State. And uh, he, would, he would punish us if we were naughty. And uh, you can't get away with this now. You, they send you to prison, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, he would have me stand in the back. <laughs> he would have me stand in the back of the rooms and hold books like this. If I was bad in class, if I said something that wasn't, was off color or something, you know, he would have me hold books. And I was pretty strong, but the law of gravity defeated me every time. I, I go, oh, he go, get him up, Marks, get him up, get him up. I can hear, still hear him saying that, get him up, Marks. You know, the law of gravity was defeating me every time. The law of gravity wins. You see, if I got, uh, brother, what is your name? Bami. How do you spell your name? B-A-M-I. Bami. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, if I, if I got Bami up here, which I won't do right now, I'll do it a little later. Um, if I got Bami up here and I put some, if I just put one book on each hand, eventually we could sit here and watch and gravity would win. Gravity would defeat him. It's the same with the law of sin and of death. It defeats the law of good in us every time. But saints, the law of the spirit of life overcomes the law of sin and of death. For the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. So, we need to live by, in, through this law, which is a person, which is a person. Now, um, now we have three laws here, three automatic principles, three spontaneous powers, and three innate capacities. We have the law of the spirit of life, which is the most powerful law. It's like the law of aerodynamics, the law of aerodynamics. Now, when you take a plane... When I took Alaska Airlines to get here, I wasn't pushing the plane. This is what we do a lot in our Christian life. We just, 
oh, the church life is so hard. I have to go to so many meetings. I have to serve with the junior hires. No one knows how, no one knows. Oh, <laughs> right, like Albert said this morning, right? Uh, you're, you're pushing the airplane instead of getting on the airplane and getting inside the airplane and enjoying the law of the spirit of life, the law of aerodynamics, right? That's like the law of aerodynamics. It's just like the law of electricity. If the lights were out here, we wouldn't immediately call the power plant and say, what's wrong with you guys? We don't have lights in there. They would say, turn on the switch. Just switch on. Saints, we need to switch on the law of the spirit of life. That's all we need to do. It's very simple. This is very profound, but the experience is very simple. We need to switch on. We'll, we'll talk about switching on the law of the spirit of life tonight. Switching on the law of the spirit of life. And then spontaneously, we overcome the law of sin and of death. So you have these three automatic principles, these three spontaneous powers, these three innate capacities. We want to live right here in the bullseye, right? This is where we want to be, in our spirit, enjoying the law of the spirit of life. Amen. And it's a matter of the body of Christ. You know, it says this in Romans 8, 16. It says, the spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it's not just my spirit that the spirit witnesses with. It's our collective spirit that the spirit witnesses with. So our human spirit, my human spirit, is your human spirit. Amen. Your human spirit is Danny's human spirit. You see what I mean? It's our spirit, our spirit. So the law of the spirit of life operates in the body and for the body and for the body. Now, there's another law, and that law is the law outside of us, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, mainly that. And it's the law of God. Now, the law of God is a portrait of God. You have to see this. If you look at the law of God... It convicts you. You get convicted. You get subdued. You get exposed because you realize, I'm not that. Now, God wants us to be the same as he is. He wants us to be the living portrait of God. The Lord Jesus, he was the living portrait of God. And so what he wants to do is, is I hope you can see this. Uh, the person of this portrait has come into our spirit. Wow, wow. Now, what, uh, now what, what is this a portrait of? You can see God's attributes in the law of God. You can see love. You can see light. You can see holiness. You can see righteousness. But see, when we're in our flesh, we don't live out love. We're, we're, we're full of hate. We don't live out light. We're in darkness. We don't live out holiness. We're in worldliness. We don't live out righteousness. We're in sin lawlessness, you see? But when you live by the person of this portrait, the law of the spirit of life is the person of this portrait, of this portrait. Spontaneously, all these divine attributes become your human virtues. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Bami, come up here. Here, I, I wanted to do a demonstration here. I've got a portrait here of me. Of me. I'm, I won't let you look at it. It's a bad portrait. It's a bad portrait. But anyway, Bami, does that look like you? 
No, no way. <laughs> no way, right? No way. See, we're brothers. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But he looked at my portrait. He said, no way. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. Well, how could he become like that? How could he become like that? As soon as he looks at the portrait, he realizes I'm not that way. I can't be that way. I can't be like that. But God wants us to be the same as he is in life and nature, but not in the Godhead for his expression. So the only way he can be like that is if the person of this portrait could get into him. Hallelujah. Then if I could enter into Bami and he would live me out and he would live me, then you would see me instead of Bami, right? But it's still Bami, see? See, look at Bami's hands. <laughs> Thank you, Bami. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so he lives. He lives, yet not he lives, but Christ lives in him. But Christ lives in him. Okay. Now, uh, again, saints, this is effortless and unconscious. Effortless and unconscious. Now, let's go to Roman number one. It says the key to being an overcomer is the law of the spirit of life in Romans 8, a chapter for desperate seekers. Now, saints, we have to be desperate seekers. Why, was, why do we say it's a chapter for desperate seekers? Because Paul said, wretched man that I am. He realized, and I think we realize, we're wretched. Apart from the law of the spirit of life, that's our, that's our exclamation. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? From the body of this death. And he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, uh, he was a desperate seeker. We need to be desperate seekers. Now, A says, Romans 7 is the experience of being in the flesh. Romans 8 is the experience of being in the spirit. That's the divine spirit dwelling in our human spirit. And these two mingled together to be one spirit. Now, saints, um, what happens, and we'll share this tomorrow. Actually, this is good. I've got green here. Uh, according to Romans 8.10, what the law of the spirit of life does is when it's switched on, when you exercise your spirit, when you pay attention to your spirit, when you use your spirit, when you employ your spirit, spontaneously, Life is dispensed into your tripartite being. Effortlessly and spontaneously, life is being dispensed into your tripartite being. See, Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is what? Zoe. Is zoe because of righteousness. So I don't know how you feel tonight. I don't know how you feel. Uh, but I have good news for you. No matter how you feel your spirit is Zoe. Amen. Can we say my spirit is Zoe together? My, my spirit, spirit is Zoe. Zoe. That's Romans 8.10. Okay, then uh, in Romans 8.6, it says the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the spirit is Zoe. So if you set your mind on the spirit tonight, your mind will actually become Zoe. Your mind will actually become a part of the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is the city of Zoe. Jerusalem means, means foundation of peace. 
So the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. That means your mind becomes a constituent of the new Jerusalem. Okay, then it says in Romans 8, 11, verse 11, it says, if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, do you realize the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? Amen. Is that good news or what? Amen. Do you need to hear that? Amen. If he dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give Zoe Amen. to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells you. So eventually he gives Zoe to your mortal body. Now when you're raptured, when you're raptured, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 4, your mortal body will be swallowed up by Zoe. But we, we have, a, we have a, a, a foretaste of this in the church life. Because many times we come to the meetings and we're just wiped out. It's like, uh, it's like Joseph said, just get my bones into the good land. You know what I mean? Just get my bones into the chair and maybe something will happen. You know what I mean? But, uh, but we get, come to the meeting and we get Zoe to our mortal body. And we walk out different than we came in. We walk out different than we came in. But saints, um, I want us to see this. We'll see this in a little bit. Uh, saints, we have to realize, yes, we can have Zoe in our mortal body. You know what I mean? To energize us and strengthen us. But we need to realize that in our flesh, there's the law of sin and of death. And the flesh never improves. The flesh never improves. Don't think your flesh will improve. Don't think... How could I have done that? How could I have made that mistake? How could I have blown it? Well, it's because you were in your flesh. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been in the church life, the flesh never gets better. The flesh never gets better. Now, your soul can be transformed. Your mind, will, and emotion can be transformed. And they need, it needs to be transformed. But the flesh never improves. We will have the flesh with us until we get raptured. Until we get raptured. So, so... This is why we need to, we'll see in a little bit, in a little bit, why the Lord let the flesh remain with us. You know, I've always wondered, why didn't the Lord just take the flesh away? Why do we have that terrible dog with rabies in us? You know what I mean? Uh, well, there's a reason for it. We'll find this out. Okay, now B, let's read B all together. Okay, now let's read Roman number two together. In order to experience the indwelling Christ as the law of the spirit of life, we need to see the three lives and four laws in Romans 7 and 8. So in A it says the created human life with the law of good is in our soul. We pointed this out. You have the law of good is in our soul. This law derives from the natural human life that is from man himself. So Romans 7, 21 says, I find then the law with me who wills to do the good. See, who wills to do the good. That is, the evil is present with me. Then let's read B together. So you have the law of sin and death in our flesh. And, and that's why Paul says, 
what I will, this I do not practice, but what I hate, this I do. I do what I hate. You know, this is where people are. They, they're doing what they don't want to do. They do what they hate. And he said, who will deliver me from the body of this death, right? The body of this death. So our body is a body of sin and a body of death. Okay, now let's read C together. So D goes on to say, these three parties with the three laws are now present in the believer in much the same way that they, God, man, and Satan, were present in the Garden of Eden. So in the Garden of Eden with Adam, he had two choices. He had the tree of life he could choose or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know he, he chose the wrong tree, right? He chose to eat of the wrong tree. Now, now we're like, the, we're like, we're like uh, a miniature Garden of Eden now. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is in our flesh. The tree of life is in our spirit. And here we are right here. Here we are right here. What should we do? We should eat the tree of life. Amen. We should set our mind on the spirit Amen. and eat the tree of life. Eat Christ as a tree of life. Amen. Okay, and then he says, in addition to these three laws within the believer, there is the law of God outside of him. Then Roman numeral 3 says, the subject of Romans 8 is the law of the spirit of life. A says, every life has a law and even is a law. God's life is the highest life, and the law of this life is the highest law, is the highest law. Now look at B. B is very important. The triune God has been processed through incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, to become the law of the spirit of life installed in our spirit. Amen. He is installed in our spirit Amen. as a scientific law. How did Paul discover this? What a discovery he made. Think about that. I mean, Newton, I don't know how Newton, you know, they say Apple hit him on the head and he discovered the law of gravity. And I'm not sure that might be a fable, but, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Paul discovered the law of the spirit of life. Amen. Just a, a scientific law. And this scientific law is, and under, I underline this, an automatic principle. This is one of the biggest discoveries, even recoveries, in God's economy. In God's economy. Now, D goes on to say, the law of the spirit of life is the spontaneous power of the divine life. It is the natural characteristic and the innate automatic function of the divine life. So there's an innate automatic function. Like in Philippians 2.12, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But it doesn't stop there. It says, for it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. So that's the law of the spirit of life as the triune God operating in us. In Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, this is really wonderful. Um, it says, uh, it says this, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart to love me. I'll give you a new spirit to contact me. I will put my spirit within you. Then he says this. He says, listen to what he says here. He says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. He doesn't say you will walk in my statutes. You will walk in my statutes. You will do my law. You will perform my law. He said, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. What is that causing? That's the law of the spirit of life causing us 
to walk in his statutes, causing us automatically, spontaneously, and effortlessly to walk in his statutes. It's just like Romans 8, 4. It says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, when we live, move, and have our being according to the spirit, spontaneously, unconsciously, and effortlessly, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. It's fulfilled in us because we're living according to this person in us. We're enjoying this person in us. Saints, let's give ourselves to enjoy this person Amen. as the law of the spirit of life. Amen. Okay, now I, I quoted you Proverbs 30, 18 and 19, the way of an eagle in the sky and Isaiah 40, 31. And of course, Hebrews 12, 2 says that we need to look away unto Jesus. That means there's many distracting things on this earth, right? It doesn't, it doesn't say look at Jesus. It says look away unto Jesus. That means you need to look away from every, uh, other distract, from every distraction, from every other object, and look away from those things unto Jesus. Jesus is like an immense magnet. He's the greatest attraction in the universe, and we've been attracted by his charming beauty, right? So... Need to, right now, we need to look away unto Jesus. Amen. Don't just look at Jesus. Look away. I don't know what you're looking at right now. But whatever, if it's other than Jesus, you need to look away from it. Amen. And look away unto Jesus. Now, let's read E together. We have to switch on this law. So when it says the mind set on the spirit, what that means is we have to pay attention to our spirit. Pay attention to your spirit. Use your spirit. Employ your spirit. Exercise your spirit. When you exercise your spirit, when you employ your spirit, when you use your spirit, when you pay attention to your spirit, you switch on this law. And it operates automatically, and you enjoy the divine electricity. You enjoy the divine electricity. And then that makes you shine, right? Just like these lights, they're enjoying the electricity, right? They're shining effortlessly, spontaneously, unconsciously, right? Because they're switched on, right? So we need to be switched on. Now F says, look at F. While we remain in touch with the Lord. You know, there's a section in the perfecting training that says this. Um, it says this, remaining in the touch with the Lord. Remaining in the touch with the Lord. In other words... The best help we can give people is to get them in touch with the Lord. Amen. The best help in this meeting is that we touch the Lord together, Amen. is that we touch the Lord. Saints, we need to touch the Lord. Amen. Just like when you touch the electricity, you get electrified, right? Well, we need to touch the Lord. It's like this. Um, it's like, brothers, could you help me on the front row? Could you come up here? Yeah, just come right, right up here. Can you come up too, brother? Please. Okay, Danny will be the Lord, okay? Okay, here's Danny. Danny's in the, here, Danny, you get in the center here, right here. No, 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 you're going this way. And then you, you surround him, you surround him. And you're going this direction, though. You're going this direction because he's going this direction. 
Okay? Now, there's this big crowd around the Lord, big crowd in the book of Matthew, big crowd. And they're pressing on him. <laughs> they're pressing on him from all sides, from all sides. And all of a sudden, this woman comes up and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So she comes up and she just touches the, the hem. I'm touching his suit here. She just touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. And then the Lord said, who touched me? And Peter said, what do you mean, Lord? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Everybody's touching you. He said, who touched me? Because power has gone out from me. Power has gone. Thank you, brothers. Thank you very much. Power has gone out from me. So, saints, when we touch, when we really touch the Lord, don't just press around the Lord. Don't just crowd around the Lord. Don't just be around the Lord. Touch the Lord. Amen. Exercise your spirit Amen. to touch the Lord. Amen. We can be in a meeting. We can be around the Lord. We can be pressing around him, but we want to touch him. That means we stay in contact with him. And when we do this, the law of the spirit of life works automatically, spontaneously, and effortlessly to dispense God's life into our being and to overcome the law of sin and of death. So one says, we need to cease from our own struggling and striving. Cease from your struggling and striving. And look at what A says. If we have not seen that sin is a law and that our will can never overcome this law, we are trapped in Romans 7. We will never arrive at Romans 8. Paul willed again and again, but the result was only repeated failure. The best that a man can do is make resolutions. So don't New Year's resolutions should be out the window. The best that a man can do is make resolutions. We need to enjoy the Lord Amen. as the law of the spirit of life. We need to stay in touch with him, remain in touch with him. Now C says, when sin is dormant within us, it is merely sin. But when it is aroused in us by our willing to do the good, it becomes the evil. I find then the law with me who wills to do the good that is, the evil is present with me. D said, instead of willing, we should set our mind on the Spirit and walk according to the Spirit, looking away unto Jesus. And to walk there means to live, move, and have our being. We live, move, have our being according to the Spirit. Now look at two. This is very precious. In order to live in our spirit, we need to take time to behold the Lord. Take time to behold the Lord. This is what we're doing tonight. We're taking time to behold the Lord. We're not taking time to behold Willie or to behold Ed. We're taking time to behold the Lord Jesus. Amen. And we, we, as soon as we wake up, we should take time to behold the Lord. Amen. Praying to fellowship with Jesus. Look at this, to bathe in his countenance. How about this morning? Did you bathe in his countenance? <laughs> one, one person went like this. No, no. That's good. I like honesty. Uh, we need to bathe in his countenance. Just don't go through the, through the motions when you do Holy Word for Morning Revival. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want to bathe in your countenance this morning. I just want to bathe. And the countenance, you have a person's face. The countenance is the smile on a person's face. You bathe in his countenance. You bathe in his smile. Then you're saturated with his beauty 
and you radiate his excellence. Isn't this wonderful? This is hymns number 784. Saturated with his beauty, radiate his excellence. Bathe in his countenance. You know, uh, in, uh, in Washington, D.C., we went over these messages, and uh, we were singing this hymn that we, we all know, or most of us know. You know, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. I was, I was really enjoying that hymn today. Really enjoying that hymn. And, uh, you know, uh, can we sing the chorus together? This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Now when we first got saved or we first came into church life, that may have been our case, but how about today? Did, are we praising our Savior all the day long? Amen. We might sing that and get convicted. Say, oh, Lord, I, pray, I don't praise you all the day long. We should praise him all the day long. Amen. This should be our habit to stay in touch with the Lord and praise him all the day long. Amen. Okay, now three says, when we need to cooperate with the indwelling, installed, automatic, and interoperating God by prayer and by having a spirit of dependence Thus maintaining our fellowship with the Lord of life and the Lord of work, and the Lord of work. Four says we need to care for the sense of life in our spirit to remain in the fellowship of life, the flowing of the divine life, for the operation of the law of the spirit of life. So uh, the, the fellowship of life is the flow of life. And in Malachi 2.15 and 16, I like these verses because it says twice, it says, take heed to your spirit. He tells the priest, Take heed to your spirit. Pay attention to your spirit. Take heed to your spirit. And take heed to the fellowship of life in your spirit. Now, what is the fellowship of life? It's the flow of life. If you have the flow of life, you have everything. You have everything. Uh, we should treasure the sweet flow of life. We have a hymn in our hymn that says, Lord, I treasure the sweet flow of life. You know, this sister among us, she was uh, applying to colleges, and she got accepted at Harvard. And so she came to Ruth and I for fellowship, and uh, she said, I got accepted at Harvard. And all the young people are telling me, you don't even need to pray. Just go to Harvard. Just go to Harvard. You don't need to pray. I mean, that's a top school, one of the top schools in the world. Just go. Just go. Well, we said just the opposite. We said, you need to pray. You need to pray. And, and you, need to, you, need to, you need to take care of the sense of life. Do you have the sense of life and peace in you? to go to Harvard? Or is the Lord leading you to go somewhere else? Now, the Lord may lead you to go to Harvard, right? We have students at Harvard who love the Lord or are enjoying the Lord. But the Lord, and we might, maybe, maybe we get accepted at Harvard, and we say, well, look, brother and sister, so-and-so are in Harvard. I can go to Harvard. But when you try to go to Harvard, you don't have the peace to go to Harvard. You might not have the peace to go to Harvard because the Lord wants to lead you to go somewhere else, somewhere else. So she prayed. She followed the sense of life. She ended up going to UCLA. She came to the training. Everything's wonderful with her. So it's really good. It's really good. Since we make decisions, take care of the sense of life. You see, A says, the sense of life on the negative side is the feeling of death, weakness, emptiness, uneasiness, 
restlessness, depression, dryness, darkness, pain. So when you sense those things, it should be a, a big yellow light, at least a yellow light in your being or a red light. I need to turn to my spirit right now. The sense of life on the positive side is the feeling of life and peace. Strength, satisfaction, peace, rest, release, livingness, watering, brightness, and comfort. So that's what we need to follow. When we make decisions, whatever we do, if you're buying a car, don't be on automatic pilot and say, oh, this is a great car. Uh, I'm just going to buy this from, uh, oh, you have all these websites now you can buy cars on, right? And, uh, and, but you have to buy a car according to the sense of life. That doesn't mean you buy a bad car or you buy a Rolls Royce. I don't know what kind of car the Lord would lead you to buy. Uh, but you buy a car according to this sense of life and peace. Do you have this inner satisfaction when you buy that car? Do you have the inner peace when you buy that car? Do you have the release when you buy that car? Do you have a livingness in you when you buy that car? Do you have the watering within you when you buy that car? You know, um, uh, I was, uh, just a little bit of my experience, uh, when we were young people, we didn't have the full-time training. So Brother Lee shared with us to, to get, a, get, a, get a degree, a degree. So uh, I was applying to go to schools to get my master's degree, and this one, uh, this one college, the dean of the college called me on the phone. He said, Mr. Marks, we really want you to come here. Um, you can get a PhD, and uh, you can be a professor. And there's, there was a church there, too. I said, wow, this is great. There's a church there in that locality. I could be a professor. I've always wanted to be a professor. Uh, I could be a professor, and lots of students can come into the church life. And uh, then I got off the phone, and I told Ruth about it. And as soon as I told her, I didn't have any peace to go there. I had no inner sense of peace to go there. I went to another campus, and when I got on that campus, when I got on that campus, I had a sense of watering within, a sense of flowing within. And the Lord was just speaking to me, this is where I want you to go. Now, if I would have went to the other college, I'm just giving you my personal testimony. If I would have went to the other college, I don't know what would have happened to me, but I would not have met Brother Lee. I would not have met Brother Lee. Because I followed the watering by the Lord's mercy, I followed that inner sense of watering, I met Brother Lee. And that was a big thing in my life to meet Brother Lee. You see, that's a big thing when you meet a person like that. Right? <laughs> so, saints, when you're making decisions, small decisions, big decisions, follow the sense of life. Follow the sense of life. Now, the sense of life is related to the consciousness of the conscience according to the life of God and the reality in Jesus. Reality in Jesus. Now, let's come to Roman numeral 4. In order to live by the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, we must see what the flesh is. And we don't like to talk about the flesh, but you have to see what the flesh is if you're going to live by the law of the spirit of life. Now, A says the flesh is the corrupted, polluted, and transmuted body. Man's body was originally pure, but through man's fall, Satan injected himself into man, and man's body has become the flesh. Two says, our body is the body of sin and the body of this death. The body of sin is very active and full of strength in sinning against God. 
This is true, right? Our body of sin is, is full of strength and very active in sinning against God. It's so good we came to the meeting tonight. We're in the realm of the law of the spirit of life. If we would have stayed home and didn't take care of that flow to come to the meeting, we would have been very active and powerful in doing some other things that maybe we shouldn't do, right? So, uh, and the body of this death is weak and powerless in acting to please God. So when you're in your, when you're in your flesh, you're weak and powerless in acting to please God. Now look at three. As long as we are still living until the day of our redemption, the body of sin and death is always with us, is always with us. Saints, we need to realize this. Sometimes we question, you know, we've been through turmoils, and we've seen brothers among us leave the church life, and we've seen different things in our history, and we need the Lord's mercy to remain here, right? To remain in our spirit, to remain on the ground of the church, to remain in the church life. But we've seen brothers who we respected very much leave, leave the church life. because It was because... The body of sin and death is always with us. You know, in the book, we have a book called The Flesh and the Spirit. I encourage you to read that. It's called The Flesh and the Spirit. Our brother says this. He makes this statement. He says, it's as if we're always one-eighth of an inch away from the flesh at all times. One-eighth of an inch away. That means you can be in your spirit in the meeting, and then you drive home from the meeting with your spouse, and she says something that you don't like, and you, you get upset. You get upset. You, we went from, you went from here quickly to here. <laughs> quickly to here. You see? So that's, that, this keeps us watchful, right? Watchful. That's why it says to watch and pray. To watch. You know what watch means? Watch it in the Bible. It's a big word in the Bible, watch and pray, that you do not enter into temptation. Watch means don't sleep. Don't sleep. Now, I'm not looking around to see who's sleeping. Okay, so don't think that. But sleep can be physical sleep. Sleep can be psychological sleep, where your attention is absent. Or sleep can be spiritual sleep, where your perception is dormant, your inner perception is dormant. So we don't want our attention to be absent. We can be sleeping. You know, like I had an algebra class. I, I, I just didn't like algebra when I was in eighth grade. And, uh, and uh, the teacher was teaching on this blackboard, and uh, I was looking, I was, I was, my attention was, I was sleeping. I, my eyes were open, but I was, I was just gone. I don't know where I was, in Chicago. And uh, anyway, he went to another board, and I was still looking at this board. <laughs> he said, Mr. Marks. I went, oh, my heart jumped, you know what I mean? Because my attention was absent. I was sleeping, psychologically, psychologically. We can be like that with the Lord. We have a time with the Lord in the morning. Our attention can be absent, or our perception, our spirit can be sleeping. Our perception can be dormant. This is why it says watch and pray. Amen. Persevere in prayer, watching in it with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. That's Colossians 4.2. Now 4 says the word flesh refers also to our fallen, entire fallen being. Man is totally flesh because the fallen being today is under the dominion of the fallen flesh. Look at number five. The, number four, I'm sorry. I, I read four, right? Okay, number five. The flesh is the meeting hall. This is a terrible meeting hall to be in. The flesh is the meeting hall of sin, death, and Satan. 
And this meeting will not be dismissed until we're raptured. This meeting will not be dismissed until we're raptured. The flesh is a hopeless case and can never be improved. You can be transformed in your soul, but the flesh will not be improved until you're raptured. Until you're raptured. Okay, A says, the flesh is at enmity with God and is unable to be subject to the law of God. The flesh can never please God. B says, sin is Satan himself in our flesh. How do we know this? One says, sin can deceive us. Sin can kill us. Sin can lord it over us. That is, have dominion over us and cause us to do things against our will. All these activities show that sin is a living person. Is a living person. Two says, sin is the evil nature of Satan, the evil one who having injected himself into man through Adam's fall, has now become the very sinful nature dwelling, acting, and working in fallen man. Now look at three. This is very interesting. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In Romans 7, 17, he said, it is no longer I, but sin that dwells in me, showing that sin is another person within us. Now, 4 says, in our flesh, no good thing dwells because the flesh is fully possessed, taken over by Satan as sin. So why does the Lord allow the flesh to remain with us? That brings us to Romans number 5. For the sake of his economy, God in his wisdom and sovereignty uses our sinful, ugly flesh to force us to turn to our spirit so that we may live by the law of the spirit of life and gain more of the spirit. So we need to live by the law of the spirit of life. We need to gain more of the spirit. That's what he wants. He doesn't, want victor he doesn't, he doesn't care so much for your victory. He cares for you gaining him. He cares for you living him, for you living because of him. And look at A, we are either in the spirit or in the flesh, there is no third place for us to be. There's no Switzerland in our being. There's no neutral country in our being. We're either in the spirit or in the flesh, there's no third place for us to be. Actually, historically speaking, Switzerland isn't neutral. It wasn't neutral. Anyway, that's a, that's a sidebar there. Okay, B says, judicially speaking, both Satan and our flesh were condemned once for all on the cross. That's legally speaking. But God allowed the flesh to remain with us to help us and force us to turn to Christ in our spirit and have no more confidence in the flesh. So in Philippians 3.3, 3, Paul says we are the circumcision. We're the ones who cut off the flesh. We serve by the spirit of God and we boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You just consider, saints, how we... We have a tendency to boast in things other than in Christ Jesus, right? We have a tendency to boast. We might give a testimony. You know, I, I use the example of an amen meter, you know. It goes from 1 to 10. We stand up and cheer, and everybody goes, amen. And we just go, wow, that was, I knocked it out of the park. I had a grand slam <laughs> with that testimony, right? When we're boasting in something other than the Lord. But how about when, when, when the saints just go, amen? <laughs> then what do you do? You just go, oh, I'm never going to share again. I'm never going to share again. You know, when you're a new one, when you're brand new, the amen meter always goes to 10. It doesn't matter what you say. You could be brand new and you say, um, 
you know, I kind of love the Lord Jesus, but I'm not that sure. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Everybody just so happy. You know, when a baby speaks, everybody's really happy about it. It doesn't matter what the baby says, right? The baby just says something. But if I said that, you know, I kind of love the Lord, but I don't think so. You say, what's wrong with Brother Ed? I need to fast and pray for him. Okay, so we have no confidence in the flesh. Saints, they have no confidence in the flesh, practically speaking. Now listen to this. This is very wonderful. Watchman Lee said this. He said that to have no confidence in the flesh means that you have the attitude that you could be wrong. You could be wrong. It's just possible that you could be wrong. You went to fellowship with the brothers, and you didn't want to fellowship with the brothers because you realized you could be wrong. <laughs> but... You should have the attitude, I, want, I do want to fellowship with the brothers because I could be wrong. And so I, don't want it, I wanted to pass through the brothers to see how they feel about it too. I prayed. I fellowship with the Lord. Now I want to fellowship with the body to see if it passes through the brothers. You know, when we had, our, when we had one of our first trainings after Brother Lee went to be with the Lord, I thought we were going to do Galatians. And so I studied the book of Galatians. I read all the life studies. I took notes. And uh, I got with a, with a group of brothers, group of coworkers. And, uh, of course, I was all ready for Galatians. They said, what about Hebrews? Hebrews, is, that was Brother Lee's highest training. And then I just went, amen, Lord. Let's do Hebrews. I had to, I had to go through the cross and be by the Spirit to be one with the brothers. You know, and I'm so glad I did. That training on Hebrews was marvelous was marvelous. Okay, now, um, okay, we read B. We read B. Now we come to one. Without the help rendered by the sinful, ugly flesh, we would not be as desperate to gain the Lord or to have him wrought into us, or to have him wrought into us. Isn't this true? This is true. Our goal may be holiness, spirituality, or victory. But God's goal is to work himself into us, into us. Remember, God's goal is to work himself into you. Amen. And remember, when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in troubles, when you go through afflictions, when you go through turmoils, when you go through failures, when you go through disappointments, you do not pray doctrinal prayers, right? You get real with the Lord. And the more real you are with the Lord, the more real he becomes to you. The more real he becomes to you. So often when we are in a difficult situation, we are more open to the Lord. Is this true or not? We are more open to the Lord when we are in a difficult situation. We don't like difficult situations. We shouldn't pray for difficult situations. Say, Lord, give me a difficult situation. Don't pray for that. The Lord will take care of that. You just pray, Lord, keep me from the evil one. Keep me in my spirit, Lord Jesus. Keep me in my spirit, Lord. But when we are in a difficult situation, we are more open to the Lord we're more willing to turn to him, and we're, wor we're more willing to allow him to work himself into us. Three says, our hardships, defeats, failures, and disappointments, listen to this, hardships, defeats, failures, and disappointments. Does any of us have those? Me too, me too. Hardships, failures, defeats, disappointments. Peter had a big disappointment, right? Right? He denied the Lord three times. That was a big failure. He said, Lord, if all of these 
guys here, if they all deny you, I'll never deny you. And then he said, the Lord said to him, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny me three times. And Peter didn't agree with the Lord. He said, I'll never deny you. Well, sure enough, uh, he denied the Lord three times and the rooster crowed and he just felt horrible, horrible. He had failed miserably. So the Lord three times recovered Peter and said, oh, it's wonderful the way the Lord recovered Peter. Uh, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the other brother said, well, we're going with you. I'm going fishing. So I'm going back to my old business. They said, well, we're going with you. So they went fishing. And then the Lord was on the shore. And he said, he said something like this. He had to, he had to speak loudly because they were, they were off about 100 yards or so. You know what I mean? She said, children, do you have any fish? They said, no. And so he said, put the, put the net on the other side of the boat. They did, and it was just full of fish, full of big fish. And John looked at Peter, and I like what he said. He said, it's the Lord. <laughs> it's the Lord. It's the Lord. So Peter didn't hesitate. Peter just, because Peter was so bold and so active, he just jumped in the, jumped in the lake and swam to the shore. And then the Lord asked Peter three times, do you love me, Simon? Do you love me? He asked him three times because he denied him three times. So he asked him three times, do you love me? He said, if you love me, and he said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. When we love the Lord, we will feed his lambs, shepherd his sheep, and feed his sheep. That's what we will do. Okay, I'll read four again. I know I probably read this. Or, or, or three again. Our hardships, defeats, failures, and disappointments force us to realize that there is no hope in the flesh. The flesh is good only to force us to turn to Christ in our spirit, to make us desperate to get into the spirit, and to keep us watchful to stay in the spirit. So from then on, Peter was desperate to get into the spirit. If you read his epistles, you can see that. He's a different person. He's not so proud of his, quote, quote, spirituality or of his love for the Lord, right? He, uh, he, he talked about clothing ourselves, putting on Christ as our humility, right? So, and he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So um, Peter knew something about the Lord as his humility. For said, the Lord does not care for whether or not we have a victory. The Lord cares for only one thing, that we gain Christ as the Spirit. Roman numeral 6 says, today we need to take care of one thing, walking according to the Spirit to gain, to win Christ as the Spirit. When it says that I may gain Christ, you can translate that, that I may win Christ. So in this meeting, we want to win Christ. And he says, our flesh is a compound. This is a terrible compound. Compounded with sin, death, and Satan. Our spirit is also a compound. Compounded with Christ, the spirit, and grace. Isn't that a wonderful compound? Amen. So in your spirit, it says the Lord is with our spirit. In 2 Timothy 4.22, it says the spirit is with our spirit. In Romans 8.16, it says grace, grace is with our spirit. In Galatians 6.18. So that's the meeting hall of, the, of Christ, the Spirit, and grace. Amen. I like that meeting hall. Amen. I want to be in that meeting hall. Amen. Now B says, only the persons who walk according to the Spirit 
can be proper members for the building up of a local church. If we do not have such a walk, sooner or later we will be a trouble to our local church. So saints, at least we should aspire to have such a walk. We should say, Lord, make me a person who lives in the Spirit. Make me a person who moves in the Spirit. Make me a person who has my being according to the Spirit. To live, move, and have our being according to the Spirit. If we pray such a prayer, He will say amen to that prayer. He will answer that prayer. He's not going to say, well, I don't think I want to answer that prayer. You know, He's not going to say that. Because His will is for us to walk according to the Spirit. So we pray His will back to Him. We say, Lord, make me a person who walks according to the Spirit for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ and the preparation of your bride. He will make you such a person. He will make you such a person. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you shall by no means fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these oppose each other, that you would not do the things that you desire. When it says these oppose each other, you can also translate it this way. These are antagonistic to each other. Antagonistic to each other. So the law of the spirit of life in our spirit is antagonistic to the law of sin and death in our flesh. It's that they oppose each other so that you wouldn't do the things that you desire. You desire to do that. You might desire to do this, but the spirit won't allow you to do it. The spirit in you won't allow it. The spirit will say, you say yes, but the spirit will say no. The spirit says no a lot. Right? You go to the department store. You say, I'm going to buy this. And the spirit says no. You say, well, Lord, it really looks good. It's on sale, too. <laughs> and, then, uh, and the Lord says, no. And then you, you still want to buy it. You still want to buy it, right? And then, uh, tell me your name again, brother. Bombing. Then you're sitting there. You're struggling with the Lord. All of a sudden, you look down. You see bombing. <laughs> you say, oh, praise the Lord, bombing. You just back up and you forget about that, right? Because why? He's the light of the world. And he just shined on you, right? He just shined on you to, to get you to turn to your spirit. Okay. Now, Roman numeral 7 says, Our enjoyment of the indwelling spirit, this is the last point, as the automatic law of the divine life is in the body of Christ and for the body of Christ, with the goal of making us the same as God is in life, nature, and expression, but not in the Godhead, and of constituting us the members of the body of Christ with all kinds of functions. So it does these three things. It makes us the same as God in life, nature, and expression through the dispensing of God into our being. And it constitutes us the members of the body of Christ with all kinds of functions, spontaneously, unconsciously, and effortlessly. Isn't that wonderful? Is this wonderful or not, saints? Hallelujah. Okay, I finished. I finished in a good amount of time. Uh, how about those of us who can, what was that hymn, Tim, 593? How about those of us who can, now some of us can't, I'm one of the ones who can't, but those of us who can, let's stand up and sing 593 together. Let's, let's start with, the, let's, let's alternate. Let's have the sisters do verse 1, stand up, and the brothers stand up and do verse 2, then we'll all do the last verse together. 593. Okay? Then we'll have some testimonies. <laughs>